Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Hello, this is Michael Wander. It's been great uh, meeting with you and sort of seeing... Uh, I don't know. I I feel like I always get like different types of jobs or professions or types of people, but whenever I use sort of examples of like, oh, why didn't you do like a normal job or something for whatever reason, what, whenever people say like a normal job, the automatic thing that comes to mind is like an accountant, but it's like accountants also have like, I don't know, is it a weird job to you? So I guess, who are you? What do you do? And then you can. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, so I appreciate uh, Santiago, you having me, uh, having me here today. Um, I mean, so accounting hasn't been my career for a, you know, for my entire uh, mm. career, hasn't been my job for my entire career. Uh, I started off and, you know, maybe, you know, go into this a little bit later, but, uh, you know, started off uh, as studying uh, Near Eastern languages and civilizations and uh, Judaic studies. And then I uh, was kind of, uh, you know, working in different, different jobs here and there and eventually um, wanted to, I went back to school. So, you know, to answer your question, you know, yes, I, I, one of the reasons why I went into accounting is that it sort of has this reputation as being a solid career, right? As mm -hmm. being a normal job or whatever. Um, and so, and that was kind of what I was looking for is something that I could somewhat depend on, right? Growing up, uh, you know, sometimes the, whatever, like there was, a, we didn't always have an abundance of, of, uh, of things. So, so sort of for me, having that solid career choice was a, um, was an important aspect of my choosing this career. Um, but again, you know, sometimes, you know, as I'm going along right now, uh, in this career, I'm realizing, you know, and I'm, I'm also dealing with people have this stereotype, this idea of what a CPA should be like, what mm. they're, how they're supposed to be. I've had people tell me, don't wear a backwards hat when you're on video, like don't make a video <laughs> with your hat on. Um, uh, you know, and, you know, I understand what they're, where they're coming from, right? I mean, they're, they're, if they're looking to hire me, they want, you know, they might come from a specific area, a specific, you know, business or specific environment and they want you know they 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 expect i mean they're, they're doing it out of trying to help right so but that's something that that you know i'm dealing with like you're saying i mean accountants are people too right i mean so <laughs> we have a uh you know we have a whole bunch of different aspects of us besides just being an accountant so that's sort of the long long answer to your question yeah yeah so i mean i guess is it as like boring as people assume it is, or is it actually like kind of like, Ooh, this is neat. Cause I feel like whenever I, I like have my own budget spreadsheets and stuff like that. And I kind of get excited whenever I'm like, Ooh, I did like well this month or like, this makes sense. Like, do you get excited running through the numbers and stuff like that? So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely that aspect for sure. I mean, there's going to be, there's going to be those times. And I think with anything that we do to some degree, whenever we're putting our energy to it, we're going to appreciate and we're going to grow to love it. And maybe some things are going to be easier to love than other things. When I was working for another company, it was a lot harder to find the excitement in what I was doing. Um, now that I'm working for myself, it's a lot easier because I see the direct result, the direct impact what I have on my clients, on the, on the people I work with. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, but then there's, there's also those times where I'm like, this has to be done. This something has to be done. And I really, I'd re much rather be doing something else right now. 
Um, but you just kind of have to, you know, it's kind of me mentally have to, because I have a large responsibility as an accountant when people rely on me, when companies, when people and, and their, their companies rely on me for filing their taxes, for in putting out reports, there's, there's a pretty tight deadline and timeline that, you know, that, that has some significant impact on them. It has a, you know, it could have positive or negative repercussions. So once I commit to doing something, I have to really take it seriously and realize, um, you know, that's, that's not just going to affect me. It's going to be affecting them. And, you know, you can't really drop the ball. I mean, you, you drop the ball and, you know, you just completely eliminated anybody's trust in you and, you know, yeah. So you just have to really, if, you know, for somebody to be in this industry, and I'm sure a lot of industries too, really trust is a major thing. So you really just have to um, take responsibility and own up to whatever it is that you are responsible for. Yeah. I think that you had mentioned you'd been working for a company first and then uh, now you're working for yourself. So like, I guess how, how liberating, but also how difficult is it, you know, going from you work for a company and you just like clock in, you do all your stuff versus you set your own hours, you work for yourself, you find your own clients and sort of what are the pros and cons of working for yourself versus working for a company? I mean, so it's a great question. And, you know, I've had this conversation with my wife as well, right? So when I, when I, uh, I, after my undergraduate degree, I went out to Israel where I lived for about five years. And that was sort of where I decided that I wanted to go into accounting. And I'd never taken an accounting course before, but previously I had liked numbers and I'd liked uh, business and different things. So I thought, okay, accounting is a solid career. You get a certain certificate that says you can do something, right? Mm -hmm. You can do something that the market will needs. Um, and then, so I was probably, so I went to, so I came back to do my MBA, came back to the United States, did my MBA in accounting, met my, met the girl who became my wife. Um, and and uh, so your, your question is how the process, and so then right after I graduated, I was in New York, we were living in New York at the time, and now we're in LA, but right after we gra I graduated, we moved out to LA, and I started working for a large firm, PwC, and they are oh, all large firms. Public accounting in general is known for its long hours. Uh, the, the large firms are known even more so for the, the, the less flexibility, at least at the beginning stages when you first join. It's supposed to get a little easier, you know, you set your own hours as you get, move up the chain. Um, but so I was working with, so, so the hours were crazy, right? I mean, I just had, we just had a little boy. Uh, so I was, you know, I wasn't seeing him at all. I was leaving before he was awake in the morning and I was coming back way after he was, at, way after he was asleep at night. From, we also had a daughter too. So I wasn't seeing my kids during that time period. Um, and I think, you know, definitely affected my relationship with them during that time period. And probably even to some degree right now, uh, you know, my, for his first year or two growing up when he was young, I wasn't able to be there for him as much as I could have been or should have been, let's say. Um, but so that, but then moving from there, then I went to work at a bank for a little bit, which the hours were a lot more flexible, not flexible, but they were a lot better. Uh, you know, I was working from nine to five, right? Nine to six. And so I was seeing my kids. It was, it was, um, we were able to, it was predictable. The hours were predictable. So, and then, so going from there, depending right now I'm working out of my home office for a while, I was working at an external location. Um, but you know, I honestly, I find that, 
the the motivation, right? The motivation that I have to work is so much greater now than it was previously. And so that almost ends up into sort of like a double edge, right? It's, 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 it's got pros and cons. On the one hand, I get to determine, you know, if my wife needs me, right? I get to help her out in the middle of the day. If my kids need me, um, I get to you know take a break. On the other hand, I'm working, you know, eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. You know, if I wake up four or five in the morning, you know, I, I go to work. I start working right away. So the number of hours that I'm putting into work and, you know, work can be considered a lot of things that we're doing can also have uh, work, you know, can be considered work, but, you know, marketing, if I'm posting videos online, if I'm, you know, trying to educate the, you know, my, my, the public of, of certain accounting things, right? So I feel like the number of hours I'm putting in are a lot more than I was doing probably even when I was at PwC. However, the, the flexibility that it allows me and the, the excitement and motivation about what I'm doing is so much greater. So it's, I definitely, uh, and one more thing about that, the, I think, and I've heard this from different, uh, leaders that, or thought leaders that I, that I listen to working for somebody else and getting a steady paycheck. Some people think, oh, that's such a steady career. So so steady, you know, you're so brave to stop that, stop receiving a steady paycheck and going off to work on your own, but really it's really an illusion, right? If I'm not creating value for my employer, if I'm not adding something to his bottom line, somehow adding some sort, some sort of value, my paycheck being steady is just an illusion. There's nothing steady about it. They could fire me at any time. Right now, I feel like it's even more steady because I'm more, I feel more in control of the energy and the effort that I put into it. At the same time, having sort of being diversified, if you'd call it that, having multiple clients also is a bit more steady, not steady, but a bit more secure even than having just one source of income. Yeah, definitely. I do have more thoughts on that front, but you've said other interesting things that I can't not go into. So uh, you, you obviously didn't start in accounting. And so like, why did you go? uh, I forget what what it was like foreign language, uh, but like what, what brought you there? And I guess, how did you end up going in a different direction? So um, initially, right, so I was in high school and without going too far back, right, just sort of mm-hmm. jumping into to a point where I can answer the question. Um, but when I was in high school, I was... I was in a high school that was on a college campus, sort of like a, they called it middle college. And they, so I, I wanted to go into, I was thinking about engineering at first, right? Cause I knew, so I knew math. I was good. I, I was good at math. Um, and I wanted to go into engineering, but at a certain point I was, I was spending 10 hours a day, when I was, I don't know, high school taking a college class or something, I was spending 10 hours a day inside of the uh, math lab, right, or the tutoring lab. And I was sitting there. I was like, I'm going to be an engineer. That's what I'm going to be. And I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And so I was sitting there, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what this is what is a good career, right? I'm going to be an engineer. I can do math. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do engineering. So then I was just, I was completely ignoring these other aspects of my life that were slowly building up and coming to this point where it was like, okay, you know, 
I'm either going to be a, a robot, right? I'm either going to be a robot and just do engineering and be completely uh, emotionless, right? Not not saying engineers are emotionless. I'm just saying for me, I needed to focus on some other aspect of my being, of who I was, and go from go for and and so then I said, okay, you know what? I got to a point where, um, and and I guess you know, I. I was I was brought up I was raised as a Christian missionary, and found out a little bit later. Sort of heard these things and throughout, but I was found out later that uh, so that I was Jewish, and so it wasn't just a you know a it wasn't just a in any regular missionary group. I mean, there was a lot of you know what I experienced were anti-Jewish sentiments in mm. the in the in that group that I was with. So for me, finding out that I was Jewish was a bit of a shock and a bit of a, you know, went to this period of self-denial where I was like, you know, I'm not Jewish, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm everything else but Jewish. Um, but uh, so that, that process, you know, so, and, and it happened, I think it happened, you know, it was at such a young age where it was so um, critical and important in my life, where it's leaving such a, such an impression um, that it took me a while, took me a while, you know, through, through high school uh, to finally say, you know what, I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks about me, where I, I need to go pursue and find out who I am and find out who I am at my core. Um, so there, then I basically, so that was kind of around the same time that I was sitting in the math lab for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, at that point, I just said, you know what, I, I, I took a short trip to Israel and I just fell in love and I was just like, oh, this is awesome. Like, you know, I want to I want to explore, you know, my identity further. Um, and so I sort of made a deal with myself, said, you know what, you're, you're supposed to go to college, right? Everybody goes to college, everybody, you know, I, it was sort of like a, you know, a thing that I was, that I wanted to do, that I knew I was going to do or, or and that I wanted to do. So, so, you know what, you got to get a degree. So get a degree in something where you can sort of study something about your own history. So I basically did that undergraduate degree in the Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations, which uh, I studied uh, Hebrew, Arabic, history, politics, economy, uh, things like that in of that region of the Middle East. Uh, and then I also double majored in Judaic studies, which there was some overlap in some of the classes. So I double majored in that. And then from there, I went, you know, and I thought, okay, got my degree. I wanted to minor in math. But again, I was just like, no, I'm not going to sit in another math class. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to just try to get all these different degrees and degrees upon degrees. And, you know, what am I going to do with that? I don't, don't have no clue. So I went out to Israel right after graduation, pretty much, and uh, lived out there for about five years. And, you know, I studied, I want, initially I thought, okay, the, the logical thing was to go to university out there and to go to my master's degree, again, in something econ- economics or something like that. So um, I think I lasted one semester. I was like, no, you know. <laughs> Trying to do it in Hebrew was not my, you know, it was difficult to do and trying to, and just also just like, this is, I don't want to be in school anymore. I, I, I did enough. I'm done. Um, so did a few other things out there. I went to Yeshiva, which is like a, um, a religious study place. And for me, it was, you know, there's a lot of different things. It's like learning about the Torah and learning about history and learning about this and that. For me, it was really a way to connect with my identity, who, where my ancestors came from. Um, and you know, there, there were definitely a lot of positives, a lot of pros over there. Um, got to a certain point uh, where, I mean, my family wasn't out there. My immediate family was not out there. I do have some distant cousins out there. But, you know, I, I was I was looking, I guess, at a certain point, there was, I started feeling a little bit closed in. 
It's like, okay, you know, this is, this is, you know, it stopped becoming a way to explore and be a positive, I guess, right? But started becoming, you know, this is what we do. This is, this is, you know, if you're going to be a religious Jew, this is how you need to, this is, this is what's expected of you. Mm. So stop becoming more from internally and more external. So, um, you know, so it was, um, so I started, you know, sort of slowly sort of mentally, okay, you know, this is, this is good, but let me start thinking about the next steps. Um, and so, you know, basically it all sort of came to, came to a head a little bit, not in a negative way, but just sort of like, okay, you know, now is the time to move on and came back to the United States, started working and, you know, started thinking about what I wanted to do. Accounting came to mind as a good option. Um, not for any other reason, just besides, you know, liking math, wanting a good career, liking business and, uh, you know, feeling like you have a, some sort of advantage in it. Like I'm like, I can do it and it would be interesting also. Um, so that's kind of the, uh, you know, the yeah. background of it. It's interesting how like you kind of went full circle back to the math, but kind of in a way that you wanted rather than the way that you were kind of told that like, oh, engineering is a thing because I like math. But instead, you kind of found your way back around after exploring. And I think that's that's really interesting. So I guess what's something about being a CPA that no one really knows about that it's like, oh, they take care of that too? Or like, oh, I can't believe that you would have to like deal with these things all the time? Well, honestly, like most people think a CPA is tax. They do tax. Mm. And my background, my initial background, when you're going to school and you're looking at public accounting, is either one of two tracks that that everybody wants to go into when they're going into public accounting, is you're either going to go in tax or you're going, going to go into audit. So those are the two meat and potatoes of the of the firms and the public firms that hire, especially the large firms that hire, you're either going to go on one of those two tracks. That's where they get, you know, sort of like it's a, it's a, it's a mill, right? It's a mm-hmm. factory. They pull people in and they let people go, pull people in, let people go, either audit or tax. Yes, they're going to have a few other different areas or services. So I was, I wasn't, you know, tax seemed to me like a bit more of a niche area, whereas audit to me seemed like it was a lot more all-encompassing, all-inclusive. And frankly, just a little more interesting to me. So, so now what I'm dealing with uh, is basically defining or redefining and trying to explain and educate the public or my public or my friends, the people that I know, my Facebook community, um, social media is on what exactly accountants do. And part of it is educating them. Part of it is educating myself um, because there's so many different things that an accountant can do or somebody even within an accountant's mind can do, right? That doesn't necessarily need an accountant or somebody with a CPA to do certain things. Um, So really just trying to, you know, educate myself. I know, you know, based on my experiences and my my experience, certain things that I can define, that I can describe, that I'm confident in doing. There are certain things that maybe I have more limited experience with, but I could still do. Um, And then that's basically, you know, the, just kind of the tax is what everybody thinks that CPAs do almost exclusively, but everything else, you know, the bookkeeping, I mean, bookkeeping don't need necessarily an accountant, but bookkeeping is one aspect, financial reporting, audits, uh, audit and review and all related under the attestation umbrella. There's the audit, there's the review, there's the compilation, and then there's the financial reporting. That's an area that 
I think on a small business level, which a lot of the people that I deal with and I work with are on that small business level, they don't necessarily need those services just yet because it's more when they're trying to raise capital, when they are, you know, yeah. So when they, when the bank, when they want to get a loan from the bank, the bank might say, Hey, I need to have some, I need to have your financial statements reviewed, or you need to even have financial statements. A lot of them don't even have financial statements because they don't need it just yet. Right. They're, they're using it in Excel and they're keeping track of their revenue and their, and their expenses right there, which is working perfectly for them um, at that, at, wherever, wherever they're at. So um, that's kind of the, you know, defining myself or, or, figuring out those services and my market on what services, what can I, how can I provide the best value to, to other people? Um, obviously there's going to be the tax side, but then just the other side as well. Yeah. What's kind of been the biggest struggle after kind of starting your own business and doing it yourself? Uh, what's been the struggle getting it built up and getting your first clients and sort of, finding your your foundation it's a it's a good question i mean so when i was i remember when i was back in college or back in to my mba there were a few people who were also working on clients and i just didn't have the time i was like let me just get my degree done and mm -hmm. they had tax clients and so i was focusing almost exclusively then at a certain point uh closer to the end i got a job as an accountant uh not in public but in like a so uh software company and then you know, so from that point on, so then I was working at PwC and again, no time at all to really have any other clients. I had a few friends that were saying, Hey, oh, you're a CPA. Maybe you can do this for me. And, you know, maybe I was doing a tiny bit here or there, um, but really there was not much time to do anything. Once I started working for uh, the bank, uh, with my, where my hours were a lot more steady, um, I actually brought somebody on, brought somebody else who was working on their accounting degree. And she had more time, so she was actually doing a lot of the, the work for me. And I was on the weekends and the evenings, I was reviewing the work and I was doing different things. I was interacting with the clients. Um, so that was sort of the beginning. Then I, I did that for a couple of years. And I started slowly having, you know, two, three, four clients that I was doing some work for. And so, and that sort of gave me the, the courage, the confidence. Um, I said, you know what, at the point where I, at the point where I was at, at the bank, where I was sitting there and I was, did not want to be doing the work, that work right there. I would much rather, I felt like I was making much more, I could have had a much stronger impact on my clients. I said, what am I doing here? Why am I sitting here spending my time, my life doing work for doing work that's less impactful than doing work that is more impactful for people. So I said, okay, I'm going to jump off. I'm going to sort of cut this, cut this cord. I'm going to go off on my own. But I had sort of that lifeline a little bit where I already had a few clients that I was doing some work for, um, but so that was so that was uh, that was sort of the beginning over there. And you know, right now I'm you know still at the place at the stage where I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm I'm still sort of a solopreneur, right? And I've got one person who does the same girl who's been doing some work for me. I had you know for a few months, I had a couple of other people who were doing some work for me, um, but sort of finding the right people to do the work, right? That that you can really rely upon is not so easy. So having, you know, I don't want to, mic I don't want to have to micromanage, right? If I'm micromanaging, then I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not, I don't have the right people who are with me. Um, so I, I need to be able to, I'm, I want to be able to find the right people who I can sort of delegate or that not delegate, but that they're going to just take the reins in some way, so to speak. And they're, 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 
they're confident and trustworthy to, to do the work um, and, and, and able to, mentally able to, right? Having the skill to be able to do the work in, in, in to some large degree so I can free up my time to do other things such as growing the firm, bringing in more clients and things like that. So that's, that's probably the biggest hurdle that I'm facing right now at this time is just being able yeah, I'm making because right now I'm, I'm behind. You know, you go through these stages. Right now, I'm behind in the work. Like, you know, when it, when if I'm not able to provide to do the work uh, in very quickly because I have too much going on, that's when I need to try to bring more people in, and that's kind of what. But then having that consistency, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a little bit scary to take the responsibility of somebody else's income, right? I mean, if they are going to quit another job and going to come work for you, I have the responsibility to make sure that I can pay them. And I'm not just going, it's not just going to be a short-term thing. So that, that responsibility, that sort of hesitation right there, that, that fear a little bit um, to grow is, is, is kind of, you know, kind of holding me and hindering me a little bit, but I'm, you know, trying to be cautious, but at the same time, that cautiousness is also keeping it, keeping me, you know, at the level that I'm at, keeping me from going to the next level. Yeah. How do you think social media has affected the way that you operate? Because, I mean, not everyone has to use social media to be a CPA, for example, but it it sounds interesting the way that you're doing it and you're using social media to educate people. And so I guess how does how does that change the the normal way of operating versus using social media? So I was introduced to this uh person named Grant Cardone uh, a number of years back, a few years back, and I was actually introduced to him through one through one of his, to somebody who was basically saying on their video, not everybody's Grant Cardone. So sort of talking mm-hmm. about Grant Cardone in a, you know, not, not in a negative way, but just saying that, you know, his way isn't necessarily right for everybody. And so I thought, you know what, if they, the person I'm following, um, uh, has a slight little bit of, you know, it's talking about Grant Cardone. Then I want to find out who he is. Now, Grant Cardone, he's got this, he came also, he came from not very much, right? Uh, modest, modest means. Um, he's built up a pretty, pretty sizable uh, empire. <laughs> you can call it an empire, I guess. Um, but, you know, there's a few things about him that I, that, uh, that I really like. Some things, you know, he, people, some people, a lot of people, some people really don't like him. Like they're just, I can't stand him. Um, and, you know, he really, he's a salesman, right? And he has perfected that art of sales. So he's, he knows how to push. He really knows how to push. Uh, and he does it in a way where it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll leave that. We'll leave that conversation about his sales. But one thing that I really like about him is his, you know, in many, he'll pull, he uses social media in a tremendous way um, where he oftentimes makes himself vulnerable. So he does two things, right? He'll educate people. He's done this a lot. He educates people, uh, or three things I should say: educates people, provides emotional content about it, makes himself vulnerable to people, and he pushes and he pushes the sales. He pushes things to for you to buy from him. So, I think that you know. So he has this this idea, this ten x um, concept, or this. And I don't don't think it was his particularly individually. So his ten x uh, his ten x. Uh, concept is basically where you make goals. We should we should all make goals in every area of our life, personal, um, 
or uh, financial that are 10 times the size of the goals that we would that we would really normally think about making so so these 10 and he's so, like I said, so he's huge on social media he just did this uh, 10x challenge Facebook group where he and one thing I love about him is he he'll bring in speakers that are almost that he that he wants to learn from right so he's bringing in speakers and he's sharing his connections with every everyday average person that's on facebook anybody who wants to basically right so he'll bring in these these amazing amazing speakers like he had you know evan carmichael is one that comes to mind right now that uh that has some cool stuff that i that i'm, that I'm working on right now with the social media um but so his that 10x that was like in the end of september is when he had that 10x challenge community on facebook and they they had very specific day every day for about an hour or two they would teach you something very intentional and very specific and they would give you some homework to do and so the so that was a you know just been a couple of months that was a big jumping off point for me with pushing some of this with setting some goals setting some specific goals uh, and these, with regards to social media as well, uh, a lot in, in a large part, in social media. Um, so, and one of them, one thing that Evan Carmichael said, which I just mentioned his name, is that the way he views social media, the way he uses social media, and the way he thinks that it should be used um, in, the, in, a, in a great way, in an ideal way, is you know, creates whatever your schedule is, let's say once a week, right? Create some video on YouTube, right? He's a big YouTuber guy, but to create a video on YouTube and use that video to source, source from that video for other social media channels, for Facebook, for this. So you sort of use YouTube as a as a way to track your, like let's say if I'm educating the public on accounting, for instance, I can have different, uh, either different channels or different playlists or whatever it is on YouTube and use that to educate people uh, and 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 use that to, let's say, take a screenshot from it for Instagram or a short video clip for Instagram or for Facebook or for, or for LinkedIn or for TikTok even. Uh, sort of, you know, because it can get overwhelming trying to hit all these different, you know, different unique content for each of these different channels. So he sort of was, he was able to tie it in together to say it's doable um, and this is the way to do it. And I think also Gary V talks about something similar, but his is a lot more elaborate, and I didn't didn't uh, didn't didn't go through his thing in in, in enough detail. It was a lot more pal- palatable palpable when uh, when uh, uh, Evan Carmichael said it in like his fifteen minute little spiel. Um, but for me, one thing you know, one thing that I really found once that ten X community Facebook group started was that I felt comfortable. Um, and I felt really sort of like I was in an environment, right, in that group, in that Facebook group, I was in an environment of people that I wanted to connect to, that we had something in common. Um, so, you know, the, I, I just started, I was just like putting myself out there. And I just said, you know, I just was like, hey, I know there's a lot of people in this group right here. And we all have something in common. We're all trying to 10x our lives. We're all trying to grow. We all know of or have some sort of familiarity with Grant Cardone. So I know we, I know we have something in common. And I know that I want to grow and I want to push my business. So I just want to meet you. Who are you? Let's just, let's just meet each other. Let's just introduce each other. So I would put out these like random posts, you know, that 
were just like just geared to connect with people. Um, you know, like one of my posts that is was just like, hey, where were you born and where in the world do you live now? Right. And so that post has probably had like, I mean, it has probably had like about, you know, seven to 800 comments on it right now, which for me, that's a large number of comments, you know, for, mm-hmm. for a post. Um, and it was interesting just on a sort of an aside, something interesting about it was that there was a three, about a three week period where there were no comments on it. Mm-hmm. And I realized um, that I had stopped, I had stopped responding to the people that were commenting on it. Right. So the algorithm, just as an interesting aside, the algorithm works in a way that as long as the author is responding, is commenting and responding on it, it's going to remain active in people's feeds somehow, maybe because they're your friends or however it worked. There's a three-week period where there was absolutely no no responses on it. And then all of a sudden just picked up again as soon as I started responding again. So it's kind of kind of interesting. Um, but really, you know. That's, you know, sort of a long answer to your question. It's just mm-hmm. how am I using social media? Really, it's just to connect. But now how it relates to accounting, it's cut me off if I'm, if I'm blabbing too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but how it relates to, to accounting is just, I think how it re- would relate to any, any industry is just by connecting with people, right? When you connect with people and you are really sincere and you are just talking about, you know, a couple of things, trying to educate people about something that I might have, some knowledge about that might be able to help other people, right? So trying to educate them and just connecting with them, they get to know you as a person. Video is a great way to do it because they can, you know, pick, you know, photography, you know, pictures or, or sound. Like pictures can be, uh, you know, it's like a little snippet. It's a lot less, they, they learn less about you than they would with, let's say, a video where they can see you, where they can feel your emotions a little more. Um, so, so that's that's something that uh, you know. In addition to the you know the the posts that are just have words in it, um, I'll you know put out a few videos here or there, um, and and we've gotten some you know decent decent responses. But just really, I think the overall goal is just to connect with people, um, and that is something that some people have you know I want to say criticized me, but have questioned. Not the majority. Very few few people have questioned. Just like like. What's the bottom line? What's the ROI? What's the return <laughs> on your investment? What is, you know, like, why are you asking this? What do you care where people are born and where they live now? Like, how is that going to help you? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just connecting with people. Like, that's all I, that's all I want to do right now at this point. Um, and, you know, Grant Cardone talks about building out your, your base, right? So just building your base of people that you know. You know, he said something that was like, uh, you know, if somebody offered me a billion dollars, or to know a billion people, I would choose the latter. I want to know a billion people, um, and you know. And I think I think there's I think there's a lot of you know a lot of truth to that. I mean, yes, obviously everybody needs to have some sort of income, and you have to consider that and think about that. Um, but uh, yeah, but that's kind of that's kind of you know my my goal with uh, with social media is just yeah. to connect with people and use it as a way to grow. I'm I'm, I'm growing as a person as I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. One last question on this front, and then we'll get to the really hard questions. What advice do you have for people either, I guess, in in your sphere or really just people trying to start their own business? I, I actually just started an LLC for myself for doing audio production. So it's like, what advice do you have for people that are starting their own business and kind of trying to get off the ground? I mean, uh, I would I would say... 
you know, for me, for me, huge is a schedule. <laughs> it's a schedule. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's putting, it's having a schedule and sticking to it. Um, you know, discipline. So I have my, my calendar, you know, my, my schedule and making sure that so having allotting blocks of time for very encompassing so many aspects of running a business, right? I mean, I have to have a block of time for doing actual client work, right? I need to do that. And then, but also equally important, maybe even more important, right? Is having that block of time for connecting with people, for, for, for working on the marketing, for let's say sending out emails or for exercising even, right? Because all of those are going to build the person who they are. And it's going to make you and, and the business, you really are that business, right? You are the face of the business. You are the, you know, so to whatever degree we feel as an individual, we feel like we are successful. We feel confident. We feel, uh, you know, that, that we're capable. That's the degree that the business is going to, is going to succeed. And so we have to, you know, follow those mentors, right? You know, look at growth, look at, you know, speak to people or follow people or teach ourselves about how to do certain things, whether it's reading books, whether it's looking online, whatever it is, watching videos about it. So we have to have that time also, but we can easily, myself, I can easily get caught up in doing one particular thing and then focusing all my energy on it and thinking, this is the answer. This is how it's going to work. And then completely ignoring all these other things that just yesterday or last week or last month, I thought, this is the, this is how, this is what I need to do. I need to spend all my time working on client work. So for me, it's important to, to create that, create that schedule and it can change and it's going to change. Um, but to have those blocks of time where, and then, and then filling in those blocks of time with details, you know, with how I'm going to be doing it. Um, and I think that for me is sort of, the way to encompass a lot of other aspects of growth. Yeah, definitely. On to the hard questions. What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Um, well, you know, we touched briefly on it before about the, uh, the, you know, sort of, uh, my, 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 my background and my history with religion a little bit. Um, you know, organized religion. And so in terms of, I mean, I think that we all are, we're definitely more than just physical beings, right? So, so now, and I think that that's been, you know, people have known that since the beginning of time. Uh, we, and I think that oftentimes organized religion can be more of a divider than a uniter. And so I think that's my biggest struggle right now is just being part of a community, right? Because organized religion creates a community, right? It does. And it's, it's nice to be part of a community. Um, but at the same time, not having that herd think, right? So thinking, you know, that thinking like everybody else. Um, so so for me, sort of, sort of like creating your own religion in a way, it's like being confident enough to disagree with people and not to, uh, and, and not feeling like you're, you know, if people get defensive, 
then that's some sort of something that's lacking in their the strength of their belief. So, you know, so for me, being able to being confident to express my beliefs, ask my questions, express my questions, um, because I'm I'm I, I deal I I'm around a lot of people, both religious and non-religious. So, and everybody can have their own stereotypes. Everybody can have their own you know thoughts and. And I don't have to agree with all of them. Um, and I don't have to argue with them either. I'm not trying to change anybody's mind, but not to not but, but not to surround myself, not to let myself be completely, you know, to make to give myself the time, the separate time, the space where I am able to think independently and um, and choose what topics I discuss with what people, right? I might have a business relationship with one person. I might not have, you know, a, a spiritual conversation with them because it's not, that's not the, that's not the topic. That's not the, uh, that's not the person that I want to have the conversation with. Um, I mean, it's not to say that I, you know, I would, that I shouldn't express my thoughts on something if they were to ask it, but it's just sort of being very, cognizant of of who i of you know who i put myself around because our environment is really really does affect who we are so that's i'm not sure if that really answers your question mm-hmm. no yeah uh in in your own way so <laughs> what is your definition of god um, god i think um i think honestly uh, God is just a, a unifying, the unifying force in the world. If you think about it, um, I mean, there's there's so many religions, right? There's, there's there's Jews, there's Christians, there's different sects within each of those. There's Muslim, there's Hindus, there's you know people, there's atheists, there's agnostics, there's there's people, and I think that I mean, if there is this this God, this uh, this vision of God and this version of God or, or whatever it is, um, I think people will really misunderstand and mistake what God is. And honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I really know. <laughs> I don't know if I really know. Um, and I think it's, I think in some ways I'm a bit dis, disenfranchised or disconnected with, with that word almost, because it's like, I've had, so many different people usually when i hear it when i've heard it it's with a specific definition it comes with a specific definition and i don't want to have to i don't want to you know i don't want to rely on these external definitions um so it's like i if if anything right if anything i just think it's a unifying force mm-hmm. that's all and i think there is a unifying force in the world so some people can call it god now the question comes up the question comes in is does God have a conscience, right? Is there is there a conscience to God? Um, and so, you know, me with my rational brain, I want to say, well, if God quote created everybody, created everything, created everybody, then I have a conscience. So it's impossible for something without a conscience to create something with a conscience, right? So there must be a conscience to whatever being created everything. Um, so so it's okay. So there is some conscience now, but then that's a, a bit of a scary step to take or a 
because then, okay, if there's a conscience, then is there something specific that God has in store for the world? Is there a specific purpose of the world? Is there, are there specific uh, tasks, right? Does God, does God have a specific thing that he wants me to do? He or she wants me to do, right? Um, and maybe yes, maybe no, but that at that point, I don't know. Um, and even if I say yes, right? Even if I say yes, that there is, um, I think that's very individual because the the risk over there is that if somebody gets you to say that there is a God with the conscience and a specific purpose of the world, then then it's like defining that purpose can can become uh, yeah it's uh it's I think I think it's a very I think it's individual. Each individual has to think about it for themselves. And so that's something that I'm trying to work through. And I think it's connecting with people, right? If God created everything, then it would be connecting with people and setting a good example, right? Being you know, doing good, adding good to the world, just doing things that are good. And I don't always succeed at it. And sometimes I, you know, I you know, I will you know uh, get upset, right? Get get upset about something. Somebody's trying to sell me something, and I don't like the way they're trying to sell me something, or whatever it is. And so I'll, you know, I'll post our conversation online, and I'll sort of mock them and make fun of them, or whatever, or just like say they don't. This is how you don't sell to somebody. And I won't call them out by name or whatever. But some people take offense to it. They're like, "Well, we're salespeople, and so you're you're saying salespeople are bad in some way." So, and I, whatever. That's just a small, silly example, I guess. But. Um, basically you know if i did have a purpose in life that would probably be my purpose is just to be the best person that i can be and good to the world um and yeah that's probably yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> how do we reduce the division um wow <laughs> uh, how do we reduce the division i mean I don't know. I, I would say, I would say first and foremost is just to be a hundred percent confident in my role as a uniter, right? Because I can't be a, I can't be a cup that's overflowing, right? I have to, I can, if I'm half empty, right? So I need to be a hundred percent confident, uh, you know, and, and surround myself by people who think and feel like me and are doing, have this, have, see their same purpose as that. Um, and then I think just as a, as setting an example, maybe, maybe, but, you know, honestly, I don't know. I mean, there's so much history, you know, with, with, you know, organized religion. I, and, you know, you know, this might be my own stereotypes, right? But I view in many ways, religion, organized religion. And I'm saying, I'm an Orthodox Jew, right? I'm saying this is the Orthodox Jew that there are many, uh, you know, I see a lot of, uh, organized religion as being a lot more divisive than uniting. Mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, you know, whether it's within Judaism or any other religion, right? Uh, you know, that, and, and a lot of religions claim to unite. They claim to unite, but a lot of the adherents do the, do the of what I see, do the opposite. Um, and you know, there's the old, the old adage, you know, don't, uh, don't judge Judaism by the Jews, or don't judge Christianity by the Christians, or don't judge this by the people who are who are following it. Um, and so there's probably a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, so I think ultimately all religions probably have the same source, we come from the same place. Um, but we as you know fallible human beings distorted and and don't know how to do it properly. And that's speaking for myself as well. Um, so just the only way I think to decrease the amount of division in the world, 
probably just to be a hundred percent on board with my goal, my vision, um, as, as uniting, as uniting people, um, that's probably it. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, actually I'll, I'll skip that one because I like how this one is contained within it, but (laughs) what are you optimistic about for our future? Um, wow. <laughs> Am I optimistic about the future? <laughs> I better be. I should be. Um, and we all have to be. We all try to be, right? That's that's the goal. Optimistic about for our future? Um, I think questioning. I think, you know, when I see my kids um, asking questions, you know, even, like, I feel like that's a very, even though we live in such a divisive world and society, right, uh, in many ways, I think that, our, you know, God has given us a brain to think and a brain that no matter what happens, no matter how, you know, no matter where we live, no matter how even brainwashed the person could be, right? No matter that, that God gave us this internal, we have this internal compass of what is right and what is wrong. So, you know, and just the ability to ask questions and to critically think, I think it bodes well for humanity and that eventually, I'd like to think eventually, we'll, we'll, you know, gradually sort of baby steps get better and just get more, get more inclusive uh, of each other. Yeah, definitely. What makes you content? What makes me content? Ah, I think seeing my growth, seeing growth, right? Seeing the pro, uh, you know, progression going, you know, going from one place to another. But you know what? It's a little bit uh, thinking about my my death in the long run, right? Thinking about you know when I'm on my deathbed, um, and thinking about the amount of time I have between now and then is is really makes me want to speed things up. It's like, hey, you know, growth is good, but what is the pace of that growth? Like, let's not be complacent with uh, slow growth because I don't have all the time in the world. None of us do. And so just sort of saying, hey, when I'm on my deathbed, what do I want to have accomplished in my life? And let's take maybe some bigger strides. Um, so so I, think, I think on the one hand, the, you know, the growth is it makes me happy um also just the ability you know to think in terms of uh where i want to be and and that also makes me happy um but in the same note what sort of i need to work more on is just sort of that creating those thresholds those milestones of let's let's speed things up yeah (laughs) uh by the way i'm just going to mention like I'm not bothered by the kids in the background. I think it's nice to hear them. them, (laughs) It's fine. Uh, When will my my sister just got here? So oh, sorry. My sister just got here. So there's so they are they're yeah. You know they're excited. They're ready to go to the park. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So a few more questions, and then uh, you can join your children in the fun. But (laughs) when will you be satisfied? Wow. Um, I hope it never. Mm-hmm. And all the time at the same time. 
right? Like I need to enjoy the process and I need to be satisfied with every step of the way. Um, and I think I am, and I am. Um, but at the same time, I don't ever want to, like we have to be happy with what we have. Uh, what's that phrase? Um, happy, but hungry. I just made that up, I think. Um, so, you know, just be happy, happy with what, you know, I'm, I, I'm happy with even even for whatever I've gone through in the past, right? There's been a lot of different things. Um, but to be to be able to use that, and I think that's probably when I would when I you know just to answer your question, I would be uh, uh, you know, happy um, is is when I'm able to fully and completely use all of those negative experiences in my past and use them as stepping stones and not be embarrassed about them, not be ashamed about them, not be afraid to talk about them to anybody but just to use them as really stepping stones and as ways to, to, and to see them for what they really are as experiences that made me who I am today, as experiences that made me stronger to be able to overcome certain things. So I think that is probably, uh, you know, that that's going to be, that, that is a huge, that it's going to be a huge milestone. Yeah, definitely. What advice do you have for people in general, not, regarding any sort of context, but just life in general. <laughs> um, advice for people is, I feel like it's hard for me to give advice right now because I am, I'm still right in the middle, in the middle of, uh, you know, doing a lot of things like taking my own advice, right? I want to take my own advice. I'll tell you what advice I give to myself, right? Mm. What advice am I giving to myself uh, is, you know, take risks take risks. You only live once, right? There's not, you know, and risks with money specifically, right? Because like, um, I'm afraid to even invest money because I'm afraid of losing that money, right? So, but that's, that's such a small, small way of thinking. It's such a limited, you know, that's thinking I'm going to live forever, right? I, I need to, if I want to, if I want to get to where I want to be at the end of my days, I need to take these huge strides, which are only possible by taking risks. Nobody who made it from little got a lot. I'm not just talking about financially; I'm talking about in any in any way. But nobody ever really made it without taking risks. It doesn't mean being frivolous or stupid in what you know you're what you're what you're doing, but don't overthink things. Don't overthink things, right? set these goals and just say, you know what, I'm going to do it. Whether or not I'm hundred percent ready in it, it to do it or not, just jump in and just, just do it. And if you, you know, if you lose, you lose, but you learn and move on and move on, get up quickly and move on to the next thing. Yeah, definitely. Last one, potentially most importantly, cake or pie. Cake or pie. <laughs> uh, if it's ice cream cake, for sure, we'll go with the cake. Um, if it's cheesecake, I guess it's cake. I guess it's cheesecake and ice cream cake, so it's cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Michael, thank you so much for doing this with me. Where can we find you and all your things? Uh, yeah, Santiago, thanks for the uh, for this for doing this uh, podcast with me. I really appreciate you having me on again. Um, so the, the best place uh, right now, I'm most active on Facebook. Um, would love to connect uh, if you want to connect on Facebook. 
um, Michael Wander CPA. Um, I'm on Instagram also at michael.wander. Um, if you want to email me, happy to, you know, to do it that way. I usually, uh, you know, check the emails more. Uh, I mean, you know, sometimes there's a lot of things that come out on Facebook, so I might not necessarily get to everything over there, but email would be uh, info at uh, michael, info at wandercpa.com. Cool. Uh, you can send it to me over there. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all over social media, I'm not necessarily huge, but I'm all over there. So, you know, if you look up Michael Wander, CPA, Los Angeles, California, I don't think there are any other uh, that fit that specific description. Yeah. So happy to connect with anybody and everybody. Awesome. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom is available now, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background or show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy it on Bandcamp and get bonus content so you can sit alone in the dark with your headphones on and listen to the album in its entirety while reading and looking at the bonus content. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are, love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong.